gets colder My eyes go thin as I get older Piece in pieces, bloody and bruised I feel so helpless and confused Cause I hear screaming on the left, yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my life Good afternoon. This is Evelyn Pringle. Welcome to Trish and Evie's Focus on the Facts. My co-host is Patricia Negron. She's my partner in crime and taking down the global pedophile networks. Trish does a daily newscast at noon every day on, foos, on Facebook Live, and it's the best newscast out there, and I encourage everybody to tune in every day to hear the latest news. Um, our special guest today is Reverend Kevin Annette, the heroic man behind the global movement to end child trafficking and child torture and to de-establish the genocidal churches and governments. He is an award-winning filmmaker and author who works with victims of church violence and genocide all over the world. In 2010, Kevin co-founded the International Tribunal into Crimes of Church and State with six other organizations. He also co-founded the International Common Law Court of Justice in Brussels in 2011 and has served as chief advisor to the prosecutor's office. The Common Law Court has so far brought two legal cases against the Vatican, the Crown of England, Canada, and its churches for crimes of genocide, satanic child sacrifice, and child trafficking, and they successfully convicted all of the defendants in those cases for crimes against humanity. In his two latest books, Unrelenting and Murder by Decree, Kevin traces the origin of genocide in Canada and across the globe, and he found that all roads lead to the Vatican. Kevin was a Nobel Peace Prize nominee in 2013, 2014, and 2015. He is truly one of the most courageous, intelligent, and honorable men of our times, and he has dedicated his entire life to this cause. So we'll bring him on and get the latest details, and this is probably going to be one of the most important shows we ever did. Um, there's definite movement against the Vatican, and um, the problem is that we have trouble every time we have Kevin come on the show because the cabal does not want us to hear what Kevin has to say. And so um, today there was a great um, declaration of a legal and moral declaration and pledge of non-cooperation issued by concerned Roman Catholic clergyman in um, Canada. And he was going to talk about that. And I want to see if, if he is on the line because... Um, before I came on the air, he wasn't. He hadn't called in yet, and this is terrible because they're blocking Kevin from telling the truth about the Vatican. What is going on with the Vatican? So we'll bring bring them on now. Hopefully he's here, and if he isn't, Trish and I'll try to do the show, and we will. Hopefully he will call in. I know that he'll keep trying. Um, so Trish, are you there? Yes. Hi, Evelyn. Hi, Trish. Um, this is terrible. I, I, if Kevin isn't coming on, then he hasn't been able to call in. This is just awful, isn't it, Trish? Yeah, I mean, it's just as par for the course, but it's actually a good sign because, again, what he's doing is incredibly important work, and it's clearly yielding some um, strategically important results because with this declaration, I mean, they, they've specified they are not looking to change the church. I think what they're saying here is very uh, clearly that they're leaving and they're taking their parishioners with them, and they state that the Catholic Church is not the Church of Christ. It isn't. It's a it's a horrific uh, organized crime ring, and it is nothing more than than an absolute mafia you know, type child trafficking and um, crime operation. Right, right. Um, well, I am just so sorry that he isn't able to get through, and I know he, and I have, I, there's no email from him, you know. Um, this will be, this is like the fifth time that they have interfered with Kevin coming on this show. And like you yeah. said, it is because they're scared. Because, I mean, this yeah. is, Maybe you can explain this to the people. I was going to, if Kevin came on, I was actually going to let you just do the interview and go off, because when there's three of us, a lot of times they interview with the phone lines, too. Um, but do you want to explain this? 
you know, I, I don't understand the Catholic religion, but you do. Do, do you want to explain this to the public? What This just came out on Sunday, September 23rd. This illegal and moral declaration right. and pledge of non-cooperation issued by concerned Roman Catholic clergy. Do you want to explain to the listeners what that is saying? You know, I, I, I have an understanding of it, but, uh, you know, I'm sure Kevin can explain more in more detail. Um, but my understanding is that, you know, there, there have been all these cases now, and just the more recent ones, uh, the scandals in Chile where, you know, dozens and dozens of victims were identified, the Vatican denied knowledge, then it was proven with hard evidence that the Vatican covered it up, in fact. Not only did it know, but it covered it up. We have the Pennsylvania 1,400-page document um, produced after an investigation into a child pornography and um, trafficking ring that was run in seven dioceses of the Pencil- in the state of Pennsylvania by church officials on church property. And yet, no one is being punished. Still, even after not only the crimes were uncovered involving more than a thousand victims and hundreds of priests, but it, it was also uncovered in this investigation that the Vatican ad- actively covered up all those crimes. These were priests who were using sadistic methods, according to the police report, when they were raping these children. Not only that, they were filming this and then distributing the pornography to other priests. And more than that, they were marking these children with those gold crosses so that other priests would know which ones had been groomed for abuse. And, you know, these are these are shocking under normal circumstances, but the kind of cr- organized crime syndicate that this clearly was is something I think the average person just cannot wrap their head around. But we have these, you know, now these bishops are coming forward, and thank heavens, I, I mean, I didn't know, you know, from what we understood that many of these higher-ranking officials, they can't get to those levels without being corrupted, but it seems like some of them have not been, and this group that has been working together within the church for, since 2014 apparently realized that, you know, especially even after, so, not, so there was Chile, then there was Pennsylvania, then there's the cases in, at, from an orphanage in um, Burlington, Vermont, that are resurfacing where there were hundreds and hundreds of victims of violent abuse. There were murders by these nuns who were running an orphanage. There were eyewitnesses to these crimes, and the children themselves have come forward to talk about them. And systematically, every single time, witnesses and survivors have come forward, the church has not only not apologized for the damage done to these children's lives, but they've gone out of their way to destroy the children yet again. And I think that this group of bishops really just had seen enough to realize that the church was not going to respond appropriately to this and that their only salvation was to break away from it. And, and you know, the, I, I can't wait until we do get a chance to talk to Kevin, and hopefully he'll make it on at some point. But, um, you know, this dates back. It, I, I don't think there's been a movement like this since the, uh, since, you know, 1,500 years ago when Rome made Catholicism the official religion of the empire and the church set about with the Jesuits to slaughter any of the people that did not adopt the church doctrine. And so they were not only killing any 
Muslims or Jews. They were killing Bible-believing Christians, too. People who believed in Christ, but simply did not um, believe in the practices of, you know, consuming the body and blood of Christ, these rituals that had very satanic overtones, and they felt did not represent the Church. But yet the Catholic Church went on this murderous rampage for, you know, generations eliminating anyone who did not embrace the religion. I don't think since that time we've seen quite the upheaval um, that we are witnessing just begin now, and I think um, there's a lot more to unfold, and this is just the sort of opening salvo where, I mean, because now we have people within the Church um, at high levels literally breaking away based on the lack of morality within the Church structure itself. Right, I know, because when I called you today and told you about that, I mean, you were so you were ecstatic in your reply because you understood what it meant, you know. And, yeah. And I didn't really, it, but boy, I, I was so excited to hear you so excited about it because it it really meant something, you know. But maybe maybe I should read this to the to the people so they they know what these this clergy said. I'll read it. I'll read this yeah, statement. Yeah. Go to ahead. The people. Okay, we are a group of clergy within the Roman Catholic Church who in good conscience are unable to associate any longer with the criminal anti-Christian actions of the Vatican and the papacy. We refer to the massive cover-up of violent crimes against children now being perpetrated as a matter of policy by the church hierarchy, crimes in which every Catholic is expected to collude. The growing exposure in the world media of a massive network in our church of child trafficking, rape, torture, and murder, and the direct implication of the Pope and senior cardinals and bishops in this network compels every one of us to make a choice. For by our daily association with the Church of Rome, we are accomplices in its crimes under both the laws of God and man. No papal statute or command can justify or absolve such a criminal and sinful association. Whether Pope or priest, we must all face an answer to God for our actions or our inactions, and we must also answer to the law. Um, under the law, anyone, including ordained clergymen, can be tried and convicted for harming a child or enabling or concealing those who do. As Catholics, we are all therefore guilty and subject to prosecution, according to our own church policy known as, which I won't pronounce this right, crimen solicitationis which requires that we suppress evidence of child abuse in the church, not tell the police of such abuse, and silence the victims. This policy refers to the rape of children as a pontifical secret, which, if disclosed, will result in the excommunication of any honest Catholic who reports the crime. Such a bizarre and inhumane statute constitutes a massive criminal conspiracy for which we are all liable for arrest and prosecution. For this reason, as moral beings and followers of Jesus Christ, we cannot any longer adhere to the collusion and silence imposed on us by a criminal church regime that places its own money and power ahead of the lives and safety of our children. For did not our Lord tell us, whatever you do to the least of these my people, you do to me. And whoever would cause one of these little ones to fall, it would be better than a milestone be tied around his neck and he be cast into the sea. Christ's judgment on those who harm children is the same as ours. Accordingly, as of this day, we publicly disassociate ourselves from any allegiance to the leaders of the Church of Rome and from our vows of obedience to our bishops and to the Pope. We will not be subject any longer to crime and solicitationus and its requirements of collusion with the rape and murder of children. Under the law of God and man, we are obligated to always protect children and prosecute their tormentors not simply when it is expedient. As a consequence, we pledge ourselves to the following faithful course of action. Number one, we will actively uncover and report to our congregations, the police, and the media any violence or other crimes done against children within our parishes, dioceses, and communities, regardless of church policy. Number two, we will uncover and report to our congregations, the police, and the media the names of anyone within the church who harms a child or who aids and abets such harms, or who conceals it, regardless of their rank or position within the church. Number three, as adorned clergymen, 
We will refuse to give Holy Communion or any other sacrament of the Church to anyone associated with such crimes. We will also refuse to accept financial donations or tithings of such persons. Number four, if ordered by our nominal superiors to collude with such crimes or if we face discipline or punishments for acting according to our consciences in the law, we will separate ourselves from those officials and continue to conduct our pastoral and sacramental offices apart from the church hierarchy within separate congregations under the authority of Christ alone. Number five, we will actively reach out to all our brethren clergy and to all Roman Catholics in our communities and urge them to join us and take the same pledge of non-cooperation and witness against the Antichrist regime that governs our church. Our faith is in God and not in man, and God wills it so it will be done. And it was signed and published on the 23rd of September. I so swear, when you said that last part, Evelyn, about how they're going to reach actively reach out to their communities and ask them to take the pledge, my eyes yep. got a chill. That really, um, I can't even describe, like, the Catholic Church is one of brutality and total authority. It's, it's like a, a, any dictatorship, but just under veil of religion, right? And right. For, for not for a parishioner to disobey the church is bad enough, but right. for this group of high-ranking officials to organize in this way and very explicitly fight back like this in yep. direct contravention of um, yep. the church practices is it's a stunning historic moment. It really is. <laughs> I, I, I can't say that even th- believe it. Myself. Yeah, they say this was um, signed and published on the 23rd day of September by ordained clergymen of the Roman Catholic Church in America, Canada, Ireland, England, France, the Netherlands, Germany, Spain, and Italy. Wow. Yeah. That is just so it says, honestly, please share this declaration. <laughs> wow. Yes. Uh, hallelujah. That's all I can say. <laughs> yep. That's a win. Wow, Evelyn. Yep. You know, I, I think... You, go ahead. I, I think we, you know, this, again, we've seen, we mentioned just a few of them. There's still the whole issue in Ireland in the Tuam, the Chum... Um, Orphanage where those 800 babies were mutilated and dismembered and their charred remains, you know, discarded in a mass grave inside a septic system. I mean, you know, what kind of Christianity is that for heaven's sake? And the church is refusing. This was a home run by Catholic nuns for decades. There were nearly a thousand um, remains found of children primarily under the age of two whose bodies had been dismembered. They had many had been decapitated and their remains charred. I, I defy anyone to come up with a rational explanation for that. For 800. I mean, you're not talking a couple. It's like, what? how is it that someone formulates in their mind that that's a reasonable thing to do? And it all goes back to the, the, the reality of the Roman Catholic Church's roots being in the depravity of the Roman, the former Roman Empire. I mean, they really co-opted, they attempted to co-opt Christianity and re-emerge as the Roman Empire under the Catholic Church. But that is, I mean, it's clearly backfiring on them horrendously because all those practices are still conducted under the um the tent of the Catholic Church, and so many, you know, most people going into it don't embrace that kind of thing, but it is, it is still actively 
cultivated and maintained in the Vatican. You just need only go inside and look around you to see all the evidence of, you know, Luciferianism. And that no other explanation makes sense for the charred, dismembered remains of 800 infants. And the Catholic Church is refusing to allow their bodies to be exhumed and properly buried. I mean, that it's just, you know, as if the crime wasn't bad enough. Same with the, the raping of these children and their trafficking and, you know, filming of it. The, the church, you know, defends it, and they're they're protecting this mass grave site as well, and refusing to allow. They, they care nothing for the children, and in fact, in the wake of all of these revelations, even in the, with the one in Pennsylvania about this child trafficking and pornography ring being run by the priests on church property, um, it, I completely lost my thought. But it's like. You know, even in the face of that, the Pope offered no apologies to the families or their children who were victimized. Not one. He only right. he only offered prayers and apologies for the priest and the abuser. Mm-hmm. Right, That's and and then he comes out and says that the accusers are being driven by Satan. Right. <laughs> it's like, yes, they, I, I mean, it's just like victimizing them all over again and shaming the people who were brutalized by this church. Right. I mean, it's just, it, it's sick beyond description. And, um, you know, having grown up in that environment, I fully understand the power of the abuse and the, the, the um, threat. You know, you're you're told you're going to hell if you don't adopt this dogma, and that you need a priest in order to get there. And the original sin thing, where as a child you feel like you're bad, dirty, and unworthy. Imagine growing up as a child feeling that way, and and this is what's being preached to you in church on Sunday. So. It's just—it's an incredibly powerful, um, you know, a codependent relationship. Because the other thing about the Catholic Church is that, you know, you're told to obey. The power of the Vatican is absolute, and if they, you know, you're you're taught that if you're viewed negatively by the church, then you're not going to heaven. It doesn't matter. Um, you need their blessing in order to make it to the pearly gate. And you're, you're told, you know, I, I mean, it's just, you're told to obey, never question, and that's how they get away with all of these manipulations. I mean, people are told they not to believe their lying eyes. There was a case in the um, Burlington, Vermont orphanage where there was a girl, oh, she's now a woman, but she was a girl at the time, described how she was walking out in the yard with one of the nuns. They were going to another building, and all of a sudden, the girl hears this crash of glass and sees a boy falling from one of the, one of the higher floors onto the ground outside of the building. And she notices the figure of one of the nuns in the um, window frame looking down on the boy who had just uh, been thrown. And she turned and walked away. And the nun with whom the witness was walking um, responded when the girl was like, sister, the nun grabbed her and said, um, you have an active imagination. So she didn't even communicate what she had seen, yet the, the nun was willing to tell her that she was wrong and um, what she was seeing was not real. Wow. Right in front of yeah. her own eyes. And that is classic Catholic manipulation. Sure. Well, you think, you know, when you said, you know, they won't... Uh, the Vatican won't approve them at that 
orphanage, they won't approve them um, extubating them bodies and giving them a proper burial. I was sitting here thinking, listening to you, and there's these orphanages all over the globe. Yeah. So who knows how much of this has went on? So I suppose I figure if they go ahead and and, and tell them to uh, to do this at this orphanage, well, all the other orphanages will probably be investigated too. So that's probably yep. part of the reason they won't do this. That's a really good point, Evelyn. It makes perfect sense. I mean, it's just evidence. It's evidence yeah. of the crimes like, they've you know, committed. And sure, and certainly, and like when Kevin was on. Right. When Kevin was on, you know, like we heard about that orphanage and everything and those babies being found dead and everything. But he explained to us how they were dismembered and their heads were shot right. off and everything, you know, and told us that this is satanic ritual abuse going on. You know, and he yeah, said there's that no they reported on that four years ago. Pardon? Yeah, there's no other explanation. Why would you be disposing of, like, I mean, as just a human being, if I, if I, if I had a, an infant die in my care, the last thing I could imagine doing would be to dismember it, much right. less hundreds of them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they never talk right. about that in the news. I was so shocked when Kevin pointed that out. Because originally, like, the, all I could find was that these babies, these 800 babies, had been um, buried in a mass grave in a septic tank. And as if that isn't bad enough, right? But then right. Kevin comes on, and that's when the first, like, one of the previous shows he talked about how they had been dismembered and it's just like wow okay <laughs> that's uh-huh. really sick and yep. then um on the next interview was when he talked about their remains being charred so you know that for me is kind of the last missing piece i mean it's bad enough that it's like, okay, let's cut them up and just get rid of the, you know, do something with them because we're overworked. We don't know what to do. We have no resources, whatever. You know, okay, you could rationalize something really pathetic like that, right? But then right. it's like, okay, so you went to the trouble of burning them too? You know? Right, <laughs> right, right. Um. They, if you're overworked and just desperate to dispose of lots of dying babies, you know, that one doesn't, the logic doesn't quite hold together there. So, I mean, the only explanation is, as you said, that these were being, these babies were being ritually sacrificed by right. members of the Catholic Church. Right, right. And these nuns are, you know, all in on this. To, you know, and this All is complicit. so disgusting yep. to me. And you know, there's other they were the ones you... running the orphanage, right? Right. So, well, you know, there was they other, not know? There's an, <laughs> yeah, there's another important document too that was released on September 21st that Kevin would have explained to us. But this is a public cease and desist order. Oh, and you it, read it. Yeah, I'll read this, too. It was issued on September 21st, 2018, with full effect and force of the law, to the bishops and head officers of the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops. You are hereby notified that as fiduciary officers of the Roman Catholic Church, you are individually and collectively responsible and liable for all harm and damages inflicted on children by your church and its employees under the canon law statute known as Crimen solicitationus. You can and will be criminally charged, criminally prosecuted for any and all such harm and damages. You are further notified that you are also liable for the actions of the so-called Ninth Circle cult that operates within your church with the knowledge and sanction of the highest officials of the Vatican, including the Pope. This cult routinely kidnaps and traffics and ritually rapes, tortures, murders, and cannibalizes children and was responsible for many of the crimes committed by your church within the Indian Residential Schools of Canada. Accordingly, you are hereby ordered to immediately cease and desist your duties and responsibilities within the Roman Catholic Church and to stand down from your oath of allegiance towards the bishops of Rome and all other church officers. Failures to do so can and will result in your arrest and prosecution as accessories to crimes against humanity 
and for giving aid and comfort to the Church of Rome as a convicted transnational criminal organization. This order is issued by the International Common Law Court of Justice in accordance with his lawful verdicts and its papal nullification order of April 20, 2014. This order has universal jurisdiction and carries the full weight of the law. It supersedes and nullifies the purely statutory provisions of so-called canon law. Okay, now I read that. Now, do you understand it, Trish? <laughs> I was trying. Um, what is the, read the first part again to me, the, again, Evelyn, about where it's from and who's issuing it. So. Okay, um, to the bishops and head officers of the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops, you are hereby notified that if fiduciary officers of the Roman Catholic Church, you are individually and collectively responsible and liable for all harm and damages inflicted on children by your church and its employees under the canon law statute known as Crimen Solicitation. Oh, the <laughs> yeah. yeah. So okay. this is, and this was written by ICCCS or yep. for the Catholic because, bishops in Canada, the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops are the ones that wrote this. It was served on them. By Kevin's organization, oh, yeah, the internet. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so this is, okay, yes, this was um, the work he had done that he's been doing with these tribunals to then um, get these convictions. And I, I believe this is also what, uh, remember they served one bishop. I can't remember where he was. Um, he was and he was shocked to get handed this um, document uh, ordering him to cease and desist. They're ordering these um, uh, church officials, this is what I believe that document is, is that their Kevin's group has sent this cease and desist to individuals they believe have committed crimes against children, and um, they've like, told them they are not to to uh, enter the church or these communities going forward. Like, it's, it's basically excommunicating them, and um, they can be arrested. It, it lets them know that they can be arrested by these um, uh, deputy sheriff. sheriffs, yes, should they step foot in these areas where they've been ordered to remove themselves so um and and having served i i think those were the pictures he had shared with us at one point where they show the clergyman seated and he's being served with one of these notices and was really rather taken aback and from what kevin says you know when they get these um direct confrontations they it really shakes them up because they otherwise feel so insulated by the church, and they feel they can go about their criminality anonymously, right? They, they hide sure. behind their robes. So um, right. I think that's what that is, and, and that's also, you know, they, the Catholic Church has never been challenged since, right. the, the, since Constantine. So, I mean... So a lot That's of years a lot ago. of time they've gone unchallenged. Well, you know, Kevin, had, I'm reading it here that Kevin had said they issued this public banning order, and that was issued on on the the common law sheriffs on October, on August 24th, and they issued it against Anglican Bishop Mark McDonald in Toronto, Cardinal Donald Weir in Washington D.C., and Vatican Secretary of State Cardinal Pietro Parolin. Parolin was served with public banning orders on um, on August 24th. Yeah, those must be the ones where they, you know, they, they yep. weren't able to hand serve all of them, but they, um, as far as I know, but um, this is great. It puts the pressure on. I mean, it, it they are, they do not ever expect to be challenged by anyone. I mean, right. they really do feel they can act with impunity, and so as soon as as soon as people start chipping away at that um, facade, then it really shakes them up from what Kevin said. 
and and it makes perfect sense. Sure. So well, um, I'm glad. So they're. It sounds like they're expanding their public banning um, of individuals, which is great. You know, and I'm sure. I'm sure this will eventually result in one or more being arrested, because you know when wherever they are making issuing these, they're going to be watching. And the more that they issue, the more likely that someone will violate one and be arrested. And that will signal a whole new, you know, sort of level of opposition. Well, absolutely. And like we talked about last week with Kevin, you know, it is going on as we speak. You know, this stuff is going on every single minute and nothing seems to slow them down. Nope. No. Yeah, I mean, and and this is the equinox. So Luciferians, you know, live by the calendar, <clears throat> and during the equinoxes in the spring and fall are high holidays for the Luciferians. And Kevin was saying, I was just started listening to uh, one of his Sunday interview where he was talking about um, this. Oh, one thing we didn't mention is that in a, at the same time he got this communication from those bishops, right. he was also supplied with a trove of documents and evidence of, previous, of a previously unknown archive that contained extensive child trafficking, uh, extensive information on a child trafficking network in Canada that is being run within the Catholic Church. And this is documentation and evidence in digital form that he received. So um, that's also a big thing. But he said one thing that also turned up on that uh, trove of information were plans for a child sacrifice between the 24th and the 26th, I believe, which is when, you know, we're at the equinox now. Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't understand about that equinox business either. Um, probably it's when, Go ahead. Yeah, it, it's just when the days are exactly even with the night. It's the time of year. And then there's also um, the sun and the earth are at its closest point during the year um, at the equinoxes. So the, the earth supposedly orbits the sun in an oblong so it's not a perfect circle and it's closer at two times of the year to the sun and then when it reaches those points the days and nights are exactly the same in terms of time okay and that's i mean that's just you know a little bit of background i don't for some reason you know i i wonder if the the you know position of the sun being so close to the earth is and because Lucifer is light, you know, all, that might be what's behind that. I don't really know, but it would make sense to me. And, again, we know Luciferians love their high holidays uh, that are dictated by the movement of the planet. So, um, you know, that, as you said, this stuff is just continuing as you speak. You know, no one is being held accountable. It is just beyond belief. Germany, there's another another investigation in Germany where they found half of the priests there were involved in child sex trafficking. This is all just this year, for heaven's sake. And right. these are, you know, they keep claiming that the statute of limitations prevents them from prosecuting, and that is just total horseshit. I mean, and, right. and the idea a RICO crime doesn't have a statute of limitations start running until the organization is shut down. And as far every, you know, piece of data that we get signals that these um, organized crime syndicates are still very much in operation. So there is no statute of limitations running on those crimes. And, there, and you know, those are the crimes that would seize the assets of the church, which needs to happen. They yeah. um, need to shut it down, and they need to return all those stolen antiquities. You know, one of the things people forget about the Catholic Church is, you know, again, the barbarity of it. And when they set out on those inquisitions, excuse me, the Crusades, 
to convert people to Catholicism, what they ended up doing was murdering Muslims, you know, burning everything and that was of no value, and then looting all these, you know, towns and um, holy sites and stuff like that, and and taking those antiquities and storing them in the basement of the Vatican. My mother was a nun, and she she told me since I was a little girl about how the Vatican has these, you know, miles and miles of antiquities stored away, but that I never knew anything about it, but Kevin has confirmed that. And imagine, imagine what is in there um, that is hidden from us by these clearly psychopathic individuals who are intent on controlling the masses. And this is how they do it through terror and manipulation. Right. It, we're so disheartening that Kevin talked about last week on the show is that, you know, we get our hopes up that these investigations, they get done, you know, like in Pennsylvania and everything. But then he explained that the the Vatican makes the deal with the prosecutors before they release such a report that, yeah, okay, we'll make a deal. You go ahead and release it and everything and the names and everything. But they've got this agreement that they won't prosecute anybody. Yep. Yep. You know, this is so sad. And so... You know, in New York, too, they're supposedly, you know, subpoenaing every diocese and investigating everything. But Kevin said it'll be the same thing, that, okay, yep. they'll come out with the reports and everything, but they'll have this secret agreement that they're not going to prosecute any of them. Yep. You know, and that is the very definition of an organized crime syndicate. I mean, yes. when, they're, when they can operate outside the law like that. Right, right, exactly, exactly. And so, you know, people here get our hopes all up and everything, you know, because I was explaining to him how the media, it's so odd that the mainstream media is full of reports on this and everything, but he said that's all planned, too. Yeah. Uh, yep. They've got the go-ahead to do this, to put all those stories out. But they well, already got the secret agreement. It, they're not... Go ahead. Yeah, there's nothing will happen. And if you think about it, like even when I came to Boston in the late 1980s and early 90s, there was the whole thing unfolding with the Catholic Church here. And there was a big to-do and lots of drama. And then they're like, you know, oh, look over there. And everybody forgets. And so from what Kevin said, like periodically you'll start feeling the pressure. They'll go ahead and release a few of these investigations and then count on the fact that people will feel like the whole thing has been addressed and now we can all move on. You know, and that's what's been happening. I mean, it's worked for 1,500 years. <laughs> well, sure, you know, like I talked about last week, too, that they came out with that report in Pennsylvania and everything, and then I go looking for more research on it and everything and find out that back in 2011 they came out with a report in Pennsylvania. Yep, you know, same with... So um, seven years later... Same with New York. Yeah. Same with New York? Yep. Really? And with um, Vermont. And with, with Vermont. Vermont. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, and it's so scary because this stuff, you know, and all these sex slaves, you know, and stuff, these MK to sex slaves and stuff that are involved in this, and they're coming forward now and testifying. And a lot of them, you know, a lot of these shenanigans took place at Catholic churches and stuff. But you know what these did sex slaves, you know what they made them do? They made them take part in killing people. Yep. You know, just like those little kids in England, those were the ones that set me off on this three-year campaign to end this child trafficking. Yeah. Um, those Hampstead kids, you know, the stories that they told. And being yes. a former counselor, and I counseled little kids, that I knew they were not lying. I absolutely knew it. You know, and that's what set me on this three-year campaign to end this child trafficking business, you know. But they made those little kids um, murder babies. They'd put the, yeah. they'd have the little kid put the hand over the baby's um, neck and then the dad would would press the child's hand and make the knife go through to cut the baby's head off. So they make these children participate in this. And how how can they come forward? They're naturally yep. thinking that they're going to be charged with murder. Yep. You know, and that's what happens. I mean, the people yeah. who do dare to come forward are the ones who wind up in jail. It's right. incredible. Right. Yeah. And these Corey little Lee, kids in the house. Go ahead. Go. I was just going to say, um, there was a story written by the um, Philadelphia Inquirer, I believe, or um, one of the Pennsylvania papers did a story about a 
boy by the name of Corey Leach, who was one of the victims of, in a Pennsylvania diocese, who at the age of 30 decided to come forward. I think this was in like 2014, 2015, um, and, t- and testify um, because it appeared that finally the man who had abused him for 10 years was going to be prosecuted. Well, they made all these agreements where he said the only thing he asked was if he could do it anonymously. And so the um, prosecution and the defense all met at the judge's um, uh, bench and agreed that his name would not be used. So the... The prosecution goes and does and questions him. Um, they just need enough information to, to for an indictment, and so you don't. It's a much simpler process than trying the case. And right. so he goes through the questioning, and then the defense comes up and right away says his name. So the prosecution objects, and they bring up. You know, they go back to the judge's bench the guy is like oh yeah no sorry won't do it again but meanwhile knowingly he did this to traumatize Corey because as you know Evelyn when you're treating someone who has been through that kind of abuse especially over an extended period of time right um they can something like that can really um shake them emotionally in in a very serious way to be re-victimized like that and be so vulnerable at the time. So the judge is like, don't do it again. He promises he won't do it again. He does it twice more. Yeah, I scanned that article. I remember reading that, but go ahead, yeah. So So he does it again. This guy who was like, you know, a high achiever, everybody loved him, very, you know, engaged in his community. He had really managed to overcome a lot by you know, as a result, that he had lived through um, in terms of abuse. Well, this whole thing, like, and then um, he, the, what ends up happening with Corey is that it sets off this whole series of events that lead him into depression and substance abuse and suicide. Yeah. And he killed himself. Yeah. Did he kill himself? That's what my understanding. He overdosed. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, this, ha- uh, this happens again and again and again. Yeah, uh, it's it's too much. It is just too sure. much. The idea that, and then, and then again, even he's just one of thousands of examples of, you know, the, as you mentioned, the Pope was blaming the victims, calling them like a pack of wild dogs. And, you know, these were children who were being systematically and violently abused by clergy. And these clergy were people that their families trusted in explicitly with their children's well-being. Hello? Trish? Uh, I'm here. Are you still there? Evelyn? Hello? Evelyn? Uh-oh. It looks like we may have lost her. I'm just going to stay on for a moment to see if she can call back in. Um, and if not, maybe what we'll do is end. But I will, let's see. Give it a moment here. Yeah, I got Evelyn? kicked off. Yeah, I got knocked off, oh, but I'm back on. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. So, anyway, you know, you just think of the thousands of children who have been through that and then to have be publicly shamed in that way by the Pope. Right. It's just unconscionable. Right. right. And what they do, yeah, to these children and stuff. And when I was talking about those, those little kids, you know, when they were talking, they said that this stuff went on at the churches, at their schools, at McDonald's. And, you know, they described these teachers that were involved. I mean, the priests would come. I mean, their dad was the one leading this sex cult over there. And they described, like, their teachers, they had these strange tattoos and warts and stuff on their private parts and everything. You know, the testimony of these kids, this definitely should have been broken open. 
Because oh, yeah. they're, they're alone. This little kid was five or six years old. He would never know about tattoos and warts and stuff on their privates if he hadn't he seen could, them. He could describe a woman's genitals far too, too accurately. Like, no five-year-old would know what he, could, what he described right. unless, he had, right. unless they had been abused. I mean, there was absolutely, undoubtedly, what they were saying was truthful. And their stories were entirely consistent throughout. Every time they were asked about the same thing, you know, for clarification or whatever, it was entirely consistent. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I I believe the girl, too, you know, but she was a little older. But the, the little boy I was so stuck with because, you know, it was so spontaneous and so um, just explaining everything. Yeah, and he wouldn't be stopping and thinking or nothing. He'd just say it. And I know it happens. And this is what is happening. And people, yeah, people can't face this. They can't face that this is what is happening. I have a hard time facing it myself, to be honest. Like, there are some days when I'm just like, wow. (laughs) I really can't believe how bad this is. Oh, I know it. And, And the thing about it is it is so horrible that the majority of people can't, can't look at it or even think about yeah. it because it is yeah. so appalling. And believe me, I can relate, you know, and after three years of looking at this every day, day in, day out, you know, I want yeah. to end more than anybody. You know, I won't give up this fight. Like we talked last week, you know, we're in this to the end, no matter what they pull on us, short of killing me, I ain't stopping. But boy, I'm ready for it to end. Yeah. I hear you. I, you know, I do feel you, and, and Kevin's mentioned this, that you can feel it shift, though. And it, no. the, the, the whole thing is starting to crack, and um, it's only a matter of time. Who knows how we'll get there, but one way or another, like you said, this is, this is coming to an end. The, the, they're nearing the end, and I don't know how far away that is, but... <laughs> Well, I know, sure and you know, they keep heading in that direction. <laughs> well, you know, and I think a lot of Catholics are turning away from the church too. Now, like yesterday, I went by the church here that's nearby that is the busiest, you know, the busiest hour and stuff. And I'd say half the half of the um, parking spaces were empty in that parking lot. Wow! At a Do you normally mass. see them full? Or? Yes. Well, a couple of years ago, they would have been. Yeah, but I went by yesterday at the 10 o'clock mass, and I'd say half of the parking spaces were empty in that lot. Wow. So hopefully wow. people are waking up. You know, I mean, I I told you my boyfriend's family, I know they're mad at me, and, and, and I know they think, they look at us like we're taking down the Vatican, you know, ignoring the problem, staying in denial of what is going on here. We right. wouldn't be able to take them down if they hadn't done anything wrong. Well, really, really. Because our well, only weapon is our the truth. Because certainly we have no law enforcement to assist, or you know, none of our elected officials are going to do anything about it. It's just like, okay, well, you know, we have the truth, and that's going to be what we cling to as we move forward with this. We've got nothing else. No, no. Well, I said I can't think of anything to be hated for that's that's better to me than taking yeah, down those, yeah. those top criminal enterprise for child trafficking and ritual sacrifice in the world. Fine, hate me. <laughs> you know, this has to stop. And, yeah. Well, but, and I think, Evelyn, like you said, it's like people are just, are, don't realize how bad it is. And, I mean, people, even now, my family members, their eyes glaze over when I talk to them about it. It's like, come on, you know, we're talking about children. But, um, you know, I think that the simple truth of the matter is that this has always been what the Catholic Church is. We just never knew it. Yeah. Well, I sure didn't. I mean, I, I mean, I, that's how I got out of the Catholic Church early, you know, because my parents were both, um, my mother was Protestant and my father was Catholic, and back in 1950 when they got married, supposedly you had to agree to um, raise your children Catholic if you married right. a Protestant. Well, my mother didn't adhere to that, and I ended up going to catechism and going to the Sunday school and, and church on Sunday in the Protestant church, you know. And so the Catholic Church was always... I don't know, it was dark back then in the 
The nuns had their full gowns on, and as kids, you wondered if they had hair under them, neighborhoods and stuff, you know. Yeah. It, it, it yeah. dust down there and everything. Well, this nun one day, and I had to be only probably six or seven, she kneeled down and told me I shouldn't go to that other church because God wasn't in that other church. And at that age, I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking, that's not true. God is in my other church. And after that, I wouldn't go no more. At that young age, her saying something like that to me turned me right off to the Catholic religion, and I, I wouldn't go anymore. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the dogma of that church is that its, it's um, doctrine is absolute, and it is not to be questioned. I mean that, and no. I—it's interesting how you mentioned I had forgotten about that whole thing with uh, the Catholics because, as I had mentioned to you before, my mom was a nun uh, initially yeah. out of high school and ended up leaving to care for a sick family member. But um, you know th- that is right—you were supposed to raise your child in the Catholic Church um, if you married someone outside of the church, which was already a very scandalous thing to do. Um, right, right. Even back in 1950, and uh, it just reminded me of the of how um, the, the Jewish faith has evolved in that same kind of way, and they they use the maternal bloodline to as a way to carry that on. So um, the, it's interesting. I was talking with somebody else earlier today about with Judaism and the and Christianity, it seems like both have been co-opted by these um, mafia-style organizations on the Christian side with the Catholic Church and the Jesuits and the, you know, um, Dominican monks and all of them. And then on the side of Judaism with the Zionists who have utterly co-opted it and you know, what What they're talking about has nothing to do with Jewish history. Right, right. It's purely political, which is the sure. Catholic Church. It's purely political. Right. Well, Chris, well, we, I think we did a good job getting the facts out what's going on. Yeah. But minus Kevin. But, um, yeah. We will see you next week, people. Thanks for tuning in. We'll just keep trying. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Cause I hear screaming on the left, yelling on the right. I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my life. I can't stop the walk. Shelter homeless, feed the poor. I can't walk on water. I can't save your sons and daughters. Well, I can't change the world and make things fair.
senseless line. Freedom scribbled on your sign. Headline, New York Times, standing on the edge of a revolution. Hey, hey, just obey. Your secret's safe with the NSA. God we trust or the CIA, standing on the edge of a revolution. Welcome to the Intelligence Hour. Cutting edge expose on the actions of government in light 